Our reading this evening is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. That's John, chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, I'd like you to imagine that you've just walked into an interview. You've sat down and they've asked you the first question. And the question was this. Tell us about yourself. Now, now that's got lots and lots of different possible answers, hasn't it? And I should think one thing you're very unlikely to say is this. Well, uh, the first thing I'd like to say is, I'm one of the sent ones. <laughs> now, I think if you said that in a normal job interview, probably you would be unlikely to get the job. I'm one of the sent ones. And yet that is exactly what we are. And we're going to find out more about that this evening. So let's pray together now as we turn to John chapter 20. Lord Jesus, uh, we pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds to your words and speak to us and help us to be wise and obedient listeners, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. So we are the sent ones. John chapter 20, just five verses, verses 19 to 23, but verses which down Christian history have uh, uh, have consistently produced uh, uh, controversy and disputes about these, these verses. Uh, but hopefully we'll be able to iron out some of those uh, as we go through. And it begins on verse 19 there, on the evening of that first day of the week. So it's Easter Sunday evening. The doors are locked for fear of the Jews. The Jews, or the Jewish leaders who had um, arranged for the uh, removal of Jesus. And uh, we can be sure that the, the, uh, the disciples here in this room were scared that, well, uh, the Jewish leaders had arranged to get rid of Jesus and maybe they're going to be next. And in their fear and their concern, we then see that Jesus came and stood among them at the end of verse 19. And he said to them, peace be with you, that the normal Jewish greeting, as you would for friends or family, shalom aleichem, uh, as Jesus uh, arrived and was there suddenly in the room with them, managing to walk through walls or however exactly that happened. And he says, peace be with you. But this is Jesus. He's not just popping in. Actually, what he's doing here is, is uh, it's a resurrection appearance, yes, but actually it's also a commissioning. It's a commissioning, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an appearance, yes, but it is also ascending. Jesus is coming and he's sending the disciples. And we're going to see more about that as we go through. And verse 21 is really the focus of this passage. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. 
So the Father sends Jesus and then Jesus sends us. Now, some people have linked those two together so closely that they've said, well, as the Father sends Jesus, so Jesus is sending us so that we must do exactly what Jesus did. All the healings and the uh, marvellous teaching and raising people from the dead and so on. I don't think that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. What he's saying is that my mission being sent by the Father was just one first part of what is going on. This whole big plan for the world to hear about the gospel. The Father sent me to live here, to tell people about the kingdom of God, to die for you. And now phase two, if you like, of this mission is that you should go and tell the world about this wonderful, wonderful gospel good news. In some ways, it's a, it seems to me it's a, it's a little bit like, um, uh, like D-Day. Now, some people think D-Day, 6th of June, 1944, uh, the, the, the clues in the title, D-Day. It was just that one day, and uh, then it was all over, done and dusted kind of thing. That's not the way that the planners, the military planners, were thinking about at all. They were saying D-Day is just a start, and then after that is the battle for Normandy, and then taking France, and then moving across northern Europe, and in the end to defeat the Nazis and win the Second World War. That was the big picture. So when we think of, uh, of Jesus as a father sent me, so I am sending you, just stand back and get the big picture. Uh, Jesus being sent by the father, phase one. Jesus sending us, phase two. And this whole big picture is this, this, this message of salvation, of Jesus coming to save the world. And then this news of salvation going to the world that he came to save. So we are part of this continuing mission of God that heaven should be populated. Notice here, Jesus says, I'm sending you. It is an ongoing, continuous command. I'm sending you. I'm sending all Christian believers for all time to take this message of the gospel to the world. And it means that for all of us, we are the sent ones. And that continues until our dying day. One of the people I've really loved uh, seeing them kind of in action at BH was James Clark, who was a, an elderly man who was here when we first arrived. And he was a Gideon. And he had this, this uh, uh, commitment to try and give out a Gideon's New Testament every day of his life. And uh, at the end, when he went into hospital with what was his, his final illness, James took a box of Gideon's New Testaments with him. And he was so effective in giving them out to people that he had to call for, uh, for fresh supplies because he ran out. And then right towards the end, James was, uh, was there in bed and the consultant came around on his ward round. And James actually asked the consultant if he would read him the Bible because he was too weak to do that. The consultant couldn't quite say no, could he? And uh, what a great example. What a fine example. We are the sent ones. James knew that right up to his dying day and even on his dying day was one of the sent ones. First main point is this, go with a message, go with a message. Calvin said the only subject handled here is the preaching of the gospel. So it is the gospel message that we go with. And the first little sub point here is uh, uh, that gospel is about the cross and the resurrection. That is the gospel. Verse 20 here, Jesus shows them his hands and his side. Plenty of people had hands who'd been injured by crucifixions, but there was only one who'd had a spear stuck in his side. This is Jesus, and this is Jesus back from the dead, and uh, he is now alive. Someone called Douglas Webster said this, the resurrection of Jesus is something to shout about. 
It is an explosive event whose fallout affects the whole human race. And we have that joy and that privilege of knowing the resurrection of Jesus, knowing him personally and being able to take that wonderful message to the world. The disciples say, you see, the disciples were overjoyed, verse 20, when they saw the Lord. It's wonderful news. And of course, we're the sent ones. Try and stop us from telling the world about this Jesus. A few weeks back, I talked about uh, beelines. And uh, I wonder why you'd call about beelines, because bees tend to do this kind of thing, don't they? Uh, Actually, of course, the phrase a beeline is when they're going back to the hive, when they do go straight back in a beeline. And it was Charles Spurgeon who said, when you're talking to your friends or family or whoever about Jesus, make a beeline for the cross. And of course, we're going to tell people about Jesus. Tell people about the cross. Tell people about the resurrection. That is fundamentally what we're about. Pray for an opportunity tomorrow. Why not pray for an opportunity every day this week and onwards? Pray for an opportunity every day, full stop, that you'll be able to talk about Jesus, about the cross, about the resurrection. We go with a message. We've got something to say. We're the sent ones. So we're going to talk about the cross and the resurrection. We're going to talk about Jesus. And then the second thing here is this, forgiveness and peace. It's part of the message. Forgiveness and peace. Let's, uh, let's look at peace first, because Jesus twice says here, peace be with you. Now, that's not just an absence of, uh, uh, of strife and anxiety and so on. Uh, it's not like, you know, you've got a noisy road and then the traffic calms down in the evening, then you have some peace and quiet. It's not that. No, peace here means this. It means life at its best with all the blessings of God. Life at its best, with all the blessings of God, made possible, of course, by the cross and by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, so that we can have life at its best, with all the blessings of God. That's what peace means. And it's made possible by the cross, where Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. It's made possible by the resurrection, because we know we can live with Jesus now. Peace is a wonderful thing. And also forgiveness. It was the evangelist J. John who said this, Jesus came to rub it out, not rub it in. Jesus came to forgive us our sins. Uh, Christianity is a, it's a forgiveness religion. That's what we're about. Um, we'll return to verse 23 because it does look a bit odd. But just for the moment, let's note in verse 23, it is talking about forgiveness. Christianity is a forgiveness religion. Now, that means, as Kent Hughes wrote about this, he's a a pastor over in Canada, uh, whatever a man or woman is, whatever he's done, no matter how heinous his sin, whatever, whether it's murder, infidelity, perversion, child abuse, betrayal, embezzlement, lying, jealousy, hateful gossip or whatever, Christ can save him completely and eternally completely and eternally it means whatever you've done whatever you are doing the guilt of that your your sin the guilt of your sin will come to jesus and that can be forgiven completely and eternally it may be it may be actually that you need to do that it may be you need to stop this now stop this sermon now press the stop button and just simply come to jesus and ask him to forgive you completely and eternally. You can come back to the sermon later if you like, but you may need to do that. This is so important. 
you might just need to stop and do that right away, right now. Now, uh, uh, so that's the first thing. Go with a message, a message of the cross and resurrection, peace and forgiveness. The, the, the second big uh, point is this. So go with a message. Second, go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's verse 22. And then he breathed on them uh, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. With that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there are lots of misunderstandings about this. Um, some say this is John's Pentecost. Uh, some say that uh, this, is, this is definitely these disciples receiving the Holy Spirit and then Pentecost happened later when they received more of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, that's a pattern for the Christian life. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's true at all. I think this is Jesus promising the Holy Spirit, uh, who was given on the day of Pentecost, Pente, 50, 50 days later. So um, uh, it is some kind of active parable. Jesus breathed on them and, and was showing that this is what it's going to be like. This is the breath of God that will be given to you, but you will have to wait. But he will come and he will empower you for this wonderful and great mission. This is what it's going to be like. The Spirit is the breath of God who will come and live in your hearts. But the really significant thing, I believe, is this. Uh, Verse 22 starts with this little phrase, and with that, and with that, Um, which means after saying this. So what Jesus is doing here, he is tying together the sending and the spirit. So he's tying together the fact that the disciples are sent with the Holy Spirit who will be given to us in the sending. So when we're sent by Jesus, he also equips us with the Spirit. He promises the Spirit to be with the disciples. So, for instance, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit is given. What happens? The gospel is preached immediately. So there is this tying together of the Spirit and the sending, the going out on gospel mission, that they're always there together uh, in the pages of the New Testament. Um, There's no being sent without the Spirit. There's no going without the Spirit to enable and to equip and to encourage and help us as we go with this gospel message. The Spirit helps us. He's going to be with us to give us assurance and confidence and to perhaps do stuff that we never thought we'd be able to do. Like actually say, yes, I do believe in Jesus. To actually say, why don't you come to church with me? We can come online. Why not come round? Or we can go to church. Uh, We are still meeting in these uh, rather limited days of COVID, but we are still meeting. Do come up, because if you like, never thought I'd be able to do that. But we've actually invited someone to come and to hear the gospel. Or the Spirit may help us perhaps when we're being utterly ridiculed. Maybe at school, you know, people are just saying, well, you're a Christian, you're supposed to forgive, forgive people, aren't you? So perhaps I'll just stamp on your foot and you'll forgive me. That'll be OK, won't it? And if I put chewing gum in your hair, you know, you'll forgive me for that as well, won't you? Because you're Christians. That's what Christians do. All that nonsense, all that silly stuff from the Spirit helps us to smile through the, uh, the ridicule and so on. And in our mission, it will get tough. As we take the gospel to the world, it will get tough. But the Spirit is given to us to help us, to strengthen us, to enable us to keep on going. Sent into a world which hates Jesus? Well, whoever said it was going to be easy. So we've got go with the message. We're the sent ones. We go with the message. Second main point, go in the power of the Spirit. Third main point is this, go with authority. Go with authority. And uh, uh, this is another fundamental part of the spirit being in our lives. So uh, let's look at verse 23. This looks a bit of a problem, doesn't it? 
Um, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. So what's all that about? Well, some denominations have uh, then um, uh, given to their clergy. They said that this applies to the clergy, so that they'll say that the clergy can forgive sins or refuse to forgive sins. Uh, thankfully, the Church of England doesn't operate in that way, um, but uh, uh, it does happen in, in, in some denominations. But the first step, I believe, to understanding this is to realise that verse 23 comes after verse 22. I mean, it's obvious, but it's really important. Verse 22 is about the Holy Spirit, and then immediately he goes on, Jesus goes on and says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. So, so what he says in verse 23 is linked in, I believe, with Christian people having the Spirit, with Christian people being uh, uh, equipped with the Spirit in our desire and in our attempts to, to pass on the gospel to others. If you like, one of the results of verse 22 is verse 23. But what's it mean? I think the point here is actually authority. Authority. Um, it's not that we have authority to forgive sins, only God can do that, or the authority to decide not to. That is God's role, that is God's responsibility. So it's nothing, it's not us, we don't do that. God and God alone is the one who forgives. But we're the sent ones, with the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we are the sent ones and we have authority, we're sent with authority, we speak with authority. So what that means is that when you preach or tell someone the good news, or over coffee, or you're doing a one-to-one, or you're in a small group, or something like that. And, and if we said something like, Jesus died for your sins, and when we put our trust in him, and when we ask him to forgive us, he does forgive us. That means we speak with great authority, so that if someone then hears that and goes and does it, they will be forgiven. They will be forgiven, because we are speaking truth. We are speaking truth, and, the, and when, when, when we're speaking the Bible to people, we're speaking the Bible which the Holy Spirit inspired. And when we speak the biblical truth to people, he is, he is giving us that authority to speak the truth which he inspires. So that when we say things from the Bible, like this, for instance, and when we say your sins will be forgiven, when you turn to Jesus, when people turn to Jesus, their sins will be forgiven. And if when we say to people, and if you decide to carry on as you are and you just ignore Jesus and then you die in that condition, actually when you come before the judgment seat of God, you will not be forgiven. Then that comes true as well. Because we speak with authority. The authority that is given to us by the Spirit who is living in our lives as God's disciples, as the followers of Jesus. You've told them truth in the power of the Spirit. If they accept that truth, then the truth is that they will be forgiven. If they reject that truth, then the truth is that they will not be forgiven. It is a word of authority. And what a responsibility. What a responsibility we have uh, to go and, and speak authoritative truth to people. But what a, what a privilege. It is, that res it is that responsibility and that privilege all rolled into one. In the days when um, they had level crossing keepers' cottages by level crossings, and you had one guy who was employed there, given the place to live, and was supposed to uh, staff the level crossing. In those days, there was a guy called Bert Jackson, 
who was um, staffing a level crossing in a rural area. And uh, it wasn't uh, a busy job. There were eight trains a day in each direction. So just 16 times a day, he had to close the gates to make sure that the, the little traffic, which did cross the railway, farm, farm workers mainly and so on, were actually safe from the trains which came through. And then it was one summer afternoon, Bert was in his deck chair uh, and he fell asleep. And he didn't hear the bell telling him that the train was coming. It was the uh, 3.17 which came around the bend and Bert was still asleep. And as it came around the bend, just down there, there was a farmer and his son on a tractor pulling a full trailer of straw bales. And they were in the middle of the level crossing. And they couldn't get off the crossing in time. And the train saw the gates were actually across the railway lines, but the train, no chance the train could stop. And I'll leave you to know what happened. An absolute tragedy. Three months later, Bert Jackson took his own life at his own level crossing. Big responsibility he had. A big responsibility that we have too. We are the sent ones. And we go with a message. And we go in the power of the Spirit. And we go with authority to tell the world this wonderful news about Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that we are the sent ones. And what a responsibility. But Lord, thank you that you give us the Spirit uh, and you send us. Uh, we have the Spirit to help us, to enable us, to encourage us, to help us to stand firm. And we go with authority. And we know that gives us a great responsibility. Lord, please help us to go. We know we're the sent ones. We pray, Lord, you'd help us to go, whether it's to this country, whether it's across the world. There are no limits. Please, Lord, help us to go. For your name's sake. Amen. <laughs>